0: Oh, stomping, Jen!
1: You're already ruining all my new pencils.
0: What's what am I doing to this pencil that don't you don't know. like?
1: Because I'm like massacring it. Already. It's a
0: mechanical pencil, a yellow one. I a just
1: pa- bought them. A
0: Papermate Sharpwriter. If by ruining it you mean using it, don't oh, you dare grab it from me now! you
1: snapped off that top. Thing.
0: This is not the sawtooth ruins mechanical pencil show. <laughs> no,
1: it's not. No,
0: this is the we talked to Nick episode. All right. And do you know who he is? No, I don't. Let know me who tell he is. you. Oh,
1: tell me all about it. Yes,
0: him. Nick is a financial advisor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a foodie, mm-hmm. a former product development scientist. For a major restaurant, I have lots of questions for Nick. All right, and, and I Why hope. Why are you ha- still talking to me? Then I, all right, fine. <laughs> Soft serve podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen, we're here to talk to Nick. Let's say hi to our friend Nick. Hey, Nick. Hello there. Thank you for coming on the Soft Serve Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it.
0: And I just realized what? he's a former food uh, yeah. engineer scientist type of person. And this is a An soft ice serve
1: cream was his specialty.
0: Yes, but we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that in a minute. But first. Um, Let's say hi again to Nick because I just totally got derailed. Um, I'm like a like a cat Squirrel. chasing cat chasing Squirrel. a laser. Um, so um, welcome, Nick. Um, now I attempted to introduce who you are, but um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say anything else about yourself. Um, say hello to our listeners. Anything you want to add?
2: Yeah, I think um, you nailed most of it. Yep i uh, I was a former. Product development slash research scientist for a uh, local famous ice cream company out of Wilbraham and uh, now I'm a, a financial advisor. A little bit of a switch there, but you know, it's it's going from making ice cream, which people love to eat, and then uh, now going to making people's retirements fantastic.
0: Yeah, not, uh, that is people happy. That is a big jump and like a big um transition in terms of types of work how did you find yourself in that space and like how did you end up making that transition
2: yeah the um the impetus for this was friendlies was getting well there we go drop the name uh they were getting bought out by a uh, major uh dairy conglomerate pretty much in the in the midwest so the writing was kind of on the wall for my three person department mm-hmm. when a big dairy and Glummer comes in with their own research development team. Um, so it, it prompts me to start looking around. Yeah. Um, I, I've been investing since, I mean, geez, I was 16, 17 when I started to get like a little investing going, it wasn't anything huge, you know, through a bank, but it's always interested me.
0: Yeah, you um, strike me as a very smart person. Uh, Back when I worked in the, before I worked for the pharmaceutical industry, I was in the medical supply um, business. And I remember one supplier, a gigantic supplier, bought a smaller one. And some of the people in the smaller company were like, well, let's hang around and see if they give (laughs) us jobs. Um, And all of the smart people got out very quickly yeah. And then the people who hung around ended up losing their jobs. So, I'm gonna give you one of these. Whoops. <laughs> yes, for your for your prescient move, and that that ended that that resulted in you becoming a financial advisor. And I guess I'm gonna ask a what seems like probably a really simple question. Um, why does somebody need a financial advisor in their life? Why would they want to talk to somebody? Um, who does what you do professionally?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky thing. So investing has never been simpler. You can go online, download an app, start throwing money in the stock market. You know, you can do it very, very simply, but with ease of access doesn't mean it's easier in general. Actually, I'd say it's become more difficult over the years. Um, Someone, and not everyone is looking for a financial advisor, but someone who is, is someone that wants to either defer some of the decision-making to someone else that has, you know, more of an education in something. Um, Someone that might be tired of losing (laughs) on their bets, if you would, or uh, someone that just wants to get a a well-defined, financial plan for a large purchase for retirement to and through retirement and also sometimes for estate and legacy planning if they're working with a state attorney setting up trusts wills those kind of documents or they're working with their accountants um, to minimize taxation to work with their small business we kind of work in that same general sphere to assist the estate planning to assist the tax planning and kind of i don't know quarterback it if you would So, someone that's looking to work with a financial advisor is someone with their complex needs or someone that just wants a plan and wants someone to help them uh, get to their financial goals and dreams.
0: Yeah. Why? So, one of the things I was trying to think about, right, Mm -hmm. is like I have this aversion to thinking about money, right? Money scares me. I don't like looking at it. Right. And I don't know what it is. I I probably should talk to my therapist about that aspect (laughs) of it. But um, do you have any insight into why so many people maybe share that type of fear around money or why they're hesitant to see a financial advisor or why they think they don't need one at all?
2: We're scary people. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We're one of the most, I, I, I would say we're one of the most Feared professions, just because, as you mentioned, money is scary. It's almost like mortality, right? We look at these things and it's like, I don't want to know. Like, the less I know, the better. I don't want to know that I'm SOL. I'd rather, you know, people have this fear that they're doing the wrong thing. So then they totally avert trying to fix it. You know what I mean? It's almost like doubling down. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes people aren't doing the wrong thing. They might just be able to get some efficiencies by working with someone. Or, you know, really just having a defined plan, I think, would make a lot of people feel better. But to, to cross that hump to to speaking with someone, typically it takes a push like a financial crash, a market crash, or, you know, if, if they have an inheritance or if someone, you know, close to them has something horrible happen to their, their financial picture, it kind of shakes them into saying, well, maybe I should prevent that from happening to me. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you mentioned it—it's square in the head. It's scary to think about. Mm-hmm. It's—it shouldn't be. It should be empowering to think about. Really, how do I change my destiny, my fate? Can I do something to make my life better in the future? It's not always about doom and gloom. It's more about trying to figure out what can I do within my sphere of control to make my life better in the future
0: stopping Jen you were going to no, say something well
1: i mean i i don't i'm not a financial advisor but i work with small businesses with their money right and it, there's this huge fear and of being judged that you're not doing the right thing or that you don't know enough or that you should know more right and like this is a constant thing i have to say to potential clients or current clients like you are doing the thing that you are doing You don't need to know the things that I need to do. That's why you hire me because I have the expertise so I can help you the way that I can best to make sense of what you're doing and your money, right? And so I think a financial advisor does the same thing for like people and businesses and coming up with that plan because most households, like even people I know who are like super smart and savvy, like- they still like, they don't track their finances. They don't like, you know, and then you like ask them, well, how do you manage your budget? And they're like embarrassed. They're so embarrassed to say they don't have one or but they don't know.
0: What is it about money that people think that they should just be born knowing exactly. how to manage it? Like, what? Exactly. I- what is that? Like, right. I-, I feel like I'm the same way. Like, I feel like I should know how to do these things. I feel like, and we met, you know, I think... We got a financial advisor into our lives. What's before we knew you, Nick. six, seven, six, <laughs> six, seven years ago? Yeah, it was a like long. That. You know, after yeah. we had
1: kids, it wasn't like before we had kids.
0: Oh, I guess it was even longer than that now. But, um, you know, but part of it is like, okay, I know we have that person. We're working with them, and they're kind of looking out for us in a general way. You know, which does give you a, some sense of security, right? right. But. This idea, though, I want to get back to this idea that people are embarrassed or they feel stupid because they don't know what to do with money and, like...
1: They have to trust, like, you're giving them, you're telling them how much you make. That's, like, a generally, like, a very, like, close to the chest kind of thing. You don't tell people how much you make, right? So you're, like, giving a financial advisor how much you make, how much you owe, like every little detail of your financial life. And it's scary to share that information.
0: Well, let's make this a little less scary. Nick, when someone calls (laughs) you, right. And says, I listen, this is hard for me. I feel like I need a financial advisor. What's that process like? How, how do you start with them?
2: Yeah, that's a valid question. Uh, sawtooth. So the, everyone is different, right? So there are some people who are very, very skittish. Um, they will call up and say, you know, listen, I'm, I'm new to this. I don't know what I'm doing really. Um, help. (laughs) There are some people that, you know, I've been investing for years, yada, yada, yada. Take a look at this. You know, I'm, I'm covering all walks of life here. So when someone calls me fresh, for example, says, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've got this investment plan at work or something, you know, what does this life insurance policy mean? Typically, it's just a fact-finding thing for me. So what what I ask and really what a, I mean, not to, not to judge anyone, but what a good financial advisor should be asking is not how much can you give me? It's more like, what are your actual goals? What is most important to you? I think that's a little bit disarming because I think that people, and maybe there are advisors out there to do this, but people might be expecting to be like, what's this going to cost me? You know, what, what is this expense to me? You know, is it, is it dignity? Is it an actual cost, et cetera? Um, when folks call me, it really is more of a discussion on what do you want? You know, what, what is, what is your point B point A is right now we can get to that. What's your point B? Mm -hmm. You know, what is your actual financial goal? Everyone, no one says like, Oh, I want to retire at, you know, 65 in three months. And, I need to have X dollars. Needed. No one's really that specific, but everyone's got a vision. My job is to make that vision happen.
0: Okay. And so that 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 typically starts starts with a conversation. And then, like you said, um some you know, some data collection, you begin talking about goals, and then you you, you work with them on achieving their goals. Is that what we do? Yeah. Yeah, with our financial, we did. Yes, that's what okay. We did. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, you know, I was thinking a little bit about um one of those goals, and I think many people in my generation. I'm Gen X, right? I'm 47 years old, stomping Gen. You are, in case you didn't know. Oh. Um, like I think a lot of I, I I mean I think this, and some of the people I talk to think that we're never going to be able to retire like our parents and our grandparents did, right? Like we're going to work work until we drop until dead. we drop dead. Um <laughs> do you, is that something you find like when you talk to people in who are my age?
2: <laughs> Anyone's age yeah. all the time. It's always the, well, you know, I'm going to work till I'm 85 and a half. It's like, no, I mean, if you want to the the trick is and really the, the the crux of the conversation is always what does retirement look like right if you want to travel the world on a private jet you know bathing in Dom perignon you might be working until you're 85 or right. longer but if it's kicking back in the porch a couple of beers in hand hanging out you can probably retire a lot sooner than that we just have to make things realistic Right, yeah. we're setting realistic expectations when when folks sit down with me to say, "I have earned this much, I have saved this much, this is my preparation." Can we get to where I want to go? You know, where am I? Where would I like to be? Can I get there? How do I get there? But more importantly, I think when you're working with a financial advisor, it's that last step on how you stay on track and keeping in touch with that advisor. So plans change, plans shift year to year. We just have to keep up with it. So, so it's. Really, that easy.
0: So, when you're thinking, like, when I'm thinking about retirement, should I be thinking as specifically as you know, I'd like to take two vacations a year, right? You know, I'd like I'd like to travel twice a year, or you know, like, should be should people be thinking that specifically in terms of you know budgeting, and I'm gonna want to have this much, or
2: that's their goal? Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, if if their goal is to travel to France in the summer and then somewhere else in the winter, like Florida in the winter. Sure. We can, when you're sitting down with an advisor, you can actually plan these things out say, well, we can ballpark. It'll be 5,000 a year for this trip and 6,000 a year for this trip. So what does it look like if we factor in $11,000 a year on vacation after retirement?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: You, You can get a really detailed and you know, there's no crystal ball of course, but we can do a very detailed guess on what the market will do, what your portfolio will do, how much you should have at retirement. And then how long that'll last based on your spending. So it really is just pretty much like a cash flow. Like mm-hmm. this is what I have, this is how much I'm spending. What's that look like? So I-, I would say that these things are fun things to play around with. You don't necessarily need to know exactly how retirement looks, but you should at least aim to, you know, keep your quality of life the same, if not better, right? Yeah.
0: I think I want. I think I know what I want out of retirement. I'm going to share this with you the first time. It's what I do now. I want to wake, I want to sleep (laughs) in till nine. I want to get up. I want to drink some coffee, go on the computer a little bit, maybe watch a movie, go to um, Lowe's or Home Depot, buy something. I have to factor that in. Then I'll come home, take a nap. And then I, I don't will,
1: know wh- who is living with you in this weird <laughs> fantasy lifestyle. It's of not fantasy. Nothing. I'm
0: literally describing every day off that I have. That's
1: because you're working. <laughs> if that's our life together after retirement. I didn't even I finish. <laughs> I didn't even finish. Oh, I thought we were going to get an RV and sell the house and like travel around the world.
0: Can I work at Home Depot? Trip in there? You
1: can drink your there? coffee on the RV. <laughs> hmm. I think
0: if I want to stay married, I better rethink these goals. Um, okay. Oh, all right. Boy. Um. Back back to the draw. Back to the drawing board. Um, oh yeah, yeah yeah. All
1: right. I have a question. Go ahead, please. Financial planning hmm. question. Without like getting. So people are always like, "What is better, putting money into retirement funds?" Or prepaying mortgage payments, like on principle, like you know, what, what what is the difference between the strategies of doing one or the other? Or is it really dependent upon a person's situation?
2: A little dependent. Do you want the statistician answer or do you want the human answer? Yeah. Human. Do you want both? <laughs> yes. We can do both. Yeah. So here we go. Statistician answer. If your mortgage say is 4%, right? And you're anticipated to earn 6% in the market. It would make way more sense to invest in the market mm-hmm. because your return would be better by 2%. Mm-hmm. The human answer is whatever makes you feel better,
1: mm-hmm. really.
2: I mean, the, as long as it's, as long as your mortgage isn't like 15% or something astronomical, you know, yeah. then obviously you want to pay that off first, but if it makes you feel better to pay off more of your mortgage, if that makes you sleep better at night, mm-hmm. it's still a good investment,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: a guarantee, right? So, yeah. the statistician in me says, you know, obviously you want to maybe weigh out your options a bit. You can do both. Maybe instead of putting a hundred dollars towards your your mortgage extra, you put fifty and then toss fifty in the market. You hedge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's really dependent on the person, but I think that. That's a good thing to have a conversation on, and I I do that all the time. Yeah. It, it depends on what people value the most and what makes the most sense to them. There's no wrong answer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. For so for anyone listening to this, maybe who hasn't done any financial planning or has done very little, um. You know, beyond thinking about maybe you know, like Stomping Jen just said, prepaying some of their mortgage. Um. Like what is, what is a good first, um, step towards beginning kind of a, a financial planning type of move. Is it just calling a financial advisor like yourself? Is that, is that what people should do?
2: Typically I'd say, yeah, it's the easy way to go. Um, I mean, you can always look up to do it yourself. Some people like to do it themselves better, you know, same with them. I mean, for, for example, in my life, I don't want to mess around with my plumbing. I will call a plumber. Mm-hmm. I do not want to touch electricity. I will call an electrician. I will pay a professional to do a better job than I can do. Some people truly enjoy learning a craft and and going through with that. That's fine, too. There's plenty of resources out there. Other people defer to a professional. I would say it's a great place to start. Just ask a pro, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a perception maybe that people have, that you have to have a, a Maserati Parked in the driveway, have a McMansion, an in-ground pool, four Mm. labradoodles to to get a financial advisor, like, that you have to be living that kind of lifestyle.
1: I, I mean, I think, like, you know, the value of just calling somebody and even just the initial offering of, like... Let's just map out where you are right now.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question, though, Stomping Jen. You're somebody who works with money. Yeah. You understand forecasting. You understand cash flows. That's like what you do. Uh Why did you- decide to pick up a phone and call a financial advisor. This
1: is, I still, there. I mean, I know things related to the things that I know about, but I don't know anything about the stock market or 401ks or Roths or IRAs. Or I mean, you start like going down this path of like, you know, different products for retirement and um, saving and it gets very overwhelming. And financial advisors, that's what they have certif- certification and they, it's, they go – They learn about it, they get education on it, and that's what they do. And I'm a very firm believer. Like, So when I work with clients, even I tell them right off the bat, I don't do taxes, I don't do payroll. There are payroll companies out there and there are accountants out there and I'm neither one of those things. I can help you work with those people and I can organize your data, but there are specialists out there and financial advisors are specialists. So
0: Yeah. It's interesting, Um, Nick. You were talking a little bit earlier about stocks and these apps and like learning something new. And I just started playing around. I got like the Charles Schwab app (laughs) on my phone, right? And (laughs) I gave him
1: an allowance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Stomping John gave me an allowance, and it it is it is really interesting. I've I've invested in a couple different areas. Um, One is the 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 psychedelic medicine market, which is still in its infancy, right? He's laughing. I think he probably knows some <laughs> things about that. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of that is penny stock. I've invested in the cannabis industry, the cruise industry. Um, I think I have something else somewhere. But I think my, my point that I want to get to is that I've learned so much, right? And I have... Reached a point though where I'm beginning to question my ability to make sound decisions with this money. <laughs> like, what's interesting is, I want to try to say this in a succinct way. Um, so, I put in a certain amount of money, and over the last four weeks since I've been doing this, I'm getting anywhere from six to 10% returns on it, right? And it's a small amount of money, right? It's not huge. Um, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, that's so much better than a savings account interest. And if I had somebody who knew what they were doing, Mm -hmm. helping me, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Nick uh, Passell, or, you know, maybe I could do a lot better, Mm -hmm. right? And that's sort of what i am what ia like, I'm proud of myself for teaching myself a little bit about, like, how to do it, Mm -hmm. right? I've got, like, a basic skill set now and understanding, but I still don't, like— I feel like there's so much I don't know, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and I feel like...
1: It's like I've learned to, like, change the light bulb, but, like, I want to rewire my house.
0: (laughs) I guess what I'm saying is, like, I see the potential in it, and I might, I'm considering, like, asking for help. Oh. Yeah. And so what I'm saying, so do you, I guess, I want to talk about, like, stocks in particular. Like, do you have any thoughts about people like who might be like me in my, in in my situation um, who are just dipping their toes into this, like, and, and should, should, can they work with a financial advisor like yourself and also kind of manage their own portfolio to an extent? Can they talk to somebody like you to get uh, some level of help?
2: Yeah. So That's a, that's a big question. There's a lot of questions in there. So let me say, (laughs) no, it's cool, man. It's cool. Part of my job uh, is to be
0: totally ignorant and ask, and ask the questions people might be thinking.
2: Yeah, no, I think I can, um, I'm going to see if I can get all of them, see if I remember all of them. So I would say the, the biggest question was, and maybe, maybe to make it a little bit more, uh, wrap up. So if someone is doing a DIY thing, um, an app or some form of uh, do-it-yourself investing, can they work with a financial advisor? Uh, the answer is yes. I mean, I think that depending on what you want to do with that account uh, outside of the financial advisor's control, oftentimes I'll have uh, clients that want to do play money things yeah. for lack of a better word.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You see, I'm I'm not going to go out there and say, hey, let's let's dump 10% of your life savings in these penny stocks. It's not something we roll with. So, if, if there are folks that want to have their, for lack of a better term, real money with mm-hmm. myself and have some play money inside that they're working with, I think that's totally fine. And honestly, I think it's empowering once again because it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sometimes it's, it's like going to the casino, but <laughs> oftentimes it, it's fun. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's an, it's more of an educated guess and less of a house yeah. always wins kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that. You could also ask your financial advisor to work with you saying that, well, you know, I've got, I've got all these pot stocks, for example, I've got all these uh, alternative medicine stocks, if you would, can I take my portfolio with you and kind of wrap it around those? So it works with them in cohesion. I think that's a totally fair question and very reasonable to ask. Yeah.
1: I think we're just doing the side gambling. Kind of
0: thing. Yeah, right now it's just, it's, it's fun just like for me. For,
1: it's just, sorry, I mean, I, I feel so privileged even saying this, but, you know, like, we had, like, a little bit of extra, and I was like, here, if you want to play with it, like, go ahead. Like, it's not going to sink us if you lose all this money.
0: <laughs> but it, what? What's it's it, not
1: like thousands of dollars.
0: But so. what I've, like, I've learned something very interesting. Like, so some of my friends got involved in the whole um, GameStop um Stock uh, <laughs> market roller coaster, right? Um, the whole you know to the moon, apes together strong uh, situation, right? Um, and that's what kind of got me into this. Like I wanted an account so I could buy one share of GameStop, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. And you know, in like reading the message boards, and I don't know if these are fake or not, but you read about like these people who you know have put their their life savings. Into, into, Game into GameStop Stop, and, you know, have made millions of dollars and, you know, like, you could see how it's like gambling, right? Oh, it, it is. It's, it, it, and fortunately, whatever it is, I'm not susceptible to that kind of impulsivity, so I wouldn't do something you like sat
1: that. on it too long and the price went up. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem.
0: I would have dumped everything I earned in, into it at $8 a share. But, um, <laughs> um so I guess where where I'm going with this, and I think you answered this, is it's something. If if I'm gonna do it at a more serious level, I would want to work with somebody like yeah. yourself. I think to to like help me and put it in context of the rest of my um,
1: yeah
0: investments. You know, my retirement accounts, all of that kind well, of that's stuff.
1: Like, sorry, Nick, I don't want to jump on your. Um... But, like, you know, that's what happened when the pandemic hit, and my dad, who sort of is more involved because he's retired and has more time to, like, think about, like, investments and work with his financial advisor more closely, and he was like, oh, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of cruise stock, and I was like, oh, maybe we should be doing that, right, because it plummeted, and, you know, like, that's an industry that will definitely rebound at some point, so... I reached out to our financial advisor and I'm like, hey, my dad did this thing. Should we be doing this thing? And he's like, yes, definitely. So he like did a big like transfer and um, uh, for us, you know, I wouldn't know. And, you know, in in talking to him months later, he was like, we should have done more. We should, you know, like we should have done it earlier or whatever. But like, you know, he he's he's not the type to be aggressive. Like, hey, the market just tanked. You want to do something? He waits for us to be like, hey. We want to do something. so.
0: And, and that's the thing I've learned with this and just in the four weeks is like you always say to yourself, I should not have bought that much at that time, or I should have bought more at that time. Like hindsight is,
2: 2020. is
0: perfect 2020. 2020.
2: So Stomping Jen brought up a great point. And the point was you called your advisor. We can be proactive as advisors, but we have many clients. We def most of us, the royal we, will try to do the best we can for everyone, ethically, you know, morally, and just customer service wise. But we're not mind readers, you know. When you are working with a financial advisor, the most important thing you can do is stay in touch with them. You know, we're not trying to be scary people. We're trying to work with you. Our goals are the same. The fact that you took a proactive step, you called your advisor, and apparently did well with that is just a testament to you're doing the right thing
1: yeah
2: you got to have that relationship with their financial advisor where it's not just like a what's this person trying to sell me or you know right. oh boy here they're calling again you know if you have a good relationship with them it, it's it's going to be extremely beneficial to you and having an open line of communication is so important mm-hmm. so kudos to you for calling him great it, job
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it yeah. doesn't doesn't hurt that he's a friend so yeah <laughs> yeah
0: all right. So people, listen. Um, all right. I want to rewind the clock a little bit. Um, I During my opening, I mentioned that you were a foodie and a former, and I think you mentioned this too, a former food scientist. Um, and you have a master's degree in food science. Um, tell us a little bit about what led you to pursue that degree and, and a, a former um, career in that field. I'm really interested in that.
2: Yeah. So food's always been a passion of mine. Um, Love food. Uh, My original intention when I was a young lad was I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a great chef, make all the cool food. People To me, it's, it's a way, because I'm not artistically inclined, you know, let's face it. I can barely draw a stick figure, but I can put something tasty on a plate. So it's a way for me to express myself. It crosses language barriers. It crosses pretty much every cultural barrier. You know, you're sharing something with someone. you share an experience. To me, it's a way that I can communicate uh, outside of just verbalization, um, you know, physical contact, sign language, et cetera. So for for me, I wanted to be able to do that on a larger scale as a job. When I grew up a bit, I realized that being a chef is an absolutely brutal job Mm -hmm. and a thankless job. Love love all you chefs out there, but it is a tough gig. Um, I was sitting in the dining commons at UMass one day and just thinking about life, saw a little pamphlet on the table says, do you like food? Yes. Tell me more.
0: Yes. Uh, do you like science?
2: <laughs> science is great, man. I love science. Mm-hmm. Become a food scientist that exists. <laughs> yeah. And right then and there, I found it from a pamphlet. It's not that <laughs> crazy of a discovery story, but I went to the office uh, at the uh, Chenoweth Building in UMass, and I said, "Hey, what's this all about?" Mm-hmm. And once again, the rest is history. Um, really neat major.
0: Yeah, I would imagine it involves a lot of chemistry, potentially, potentially biology. I'm guessing. Um, how do they work in the exp- in in and in, in the curriculum, how do they work in, like, experience with food itself? Like, do they have, like, test kitchens and, like, or, I mean, really curious, like, what the 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 course of study is like. Do you, do you have courses where you learn to taste, like, flavors of things and, like, that sort of stuff?
2: There's a little bit of that. So the surprising, the thing that's going to surprise most people about food science is that it has little to nothing to do with culinary at mm-hmm. all. So being a a chef in a test kitchen, for example, is more like a, a culinary arts degree. Food science is nice, but we're more on the lines of anything that happens from the farm to when it gets on your table besides the cooking part so canning, processing uh, um really anything besides agricultural or the actual cooking of it so really, if you see it in the supermarket shelf, it had something to do with a food scientist hmm. um we're talking about how long to bake a cheese. It, you know what I mean. Like how long at what temperature, what length of is the oven conveyor belt? You know how many can we produce per hour? Can we optimize that? Can we save cost in the cheese we use in the cheese? It can we change the flavor up? You know it's not it's not necessarily it's not necessarily culinary. It's more microbiology chemistry. And I guess a little bit of engineering too. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. You could have been a food scientist. Yeah,
0: I have a degree in microbiology, <laughs> um, and it never—that's nev- half the battle. Yeah, it never even occurred to me.
1: Yeah, well, well, that's not—it isn't true. I mean, maybe Did it, it occur never to occurred to you, but yeah. he, he had an internship with his microbiology degree at the brewery.
0: Oh, Amherst Brewing Company. Yeah, <laughs> yep, like a um, million years East. ago. Yep. Now um, he was like
1: in the tanks scrubbing them out. Yeah,
0: I mean I helped out. Yeah. I mean, I was mostly a tank scrubbing monkey, but also, you know, I got exposure to the process too. Right. You know, and being around the brewery and watching them, you know, do do the mash, the boil, pitching the yeast, all of that. But it was then it was like Turner get in there, climb into that boiler and scrub, <laughs> scrub out, it out scrub it out. Yeah. I was much thinner than I could fit into that little trap door at the bottom. Oh my gosh. So, um, so you, so
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: So you, you took that degree and you, as you mentioned, you went and worked um, for Friendly's ice cream as a product in in product and flavor development. What was that job like?
2: It was great. Yeah. So (laughs) I just got to play with food all day. So we'd have, we have in a little lab, and we had a couple of little ice cream machines. Where really, what we do is we go to the plant, um, grab some prepared ice cream mix, go back to my lab, and experiment with adding different types of vanilla. Or um, for me, I was doing a lot of novelty development, which is um, when you go to the supermarket and you uh, you buy something in the box that's an ice cream sandwich, something on a cone that's already you know pre-scooped, you know pre-dipped, and all that. Um, creamsicles, bars, things like that. That's what I was focused on. And um, it's really a pretty neat gig. I mean, you're just trying to figure out what tastes good, uh, what looks good, and can you keep it reasonably priced? You know, we're really getting a lot of direction from marketing on trends, um, flavor combinations, things like that. We were kind of just the ones that were tasked with doing the work to I guess achieve their vision, mm-hmm. kind of similar to what I'm doing now. I guess really, right? you know, yeah. people give me a goal, and we just look to achieve it.
0: Do you have a food engineering um, accomplishment you're most proud of, like a particular cake or a particular like ice cream or something?
2: Yeah, the um, and I don't think they make it anymore because when they got bought out, a lot of the recipes changed, but there was a black raspberry ice cream cone. There was a chocolate cone, uh, black raspberry ice cream with a fudge core in the middle. Mm-hmm. They they dipped it in chocolate and put the little, you know, the little black uh, crunchies they mm-hmm. put in the middle of the ice cream cakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are awesome. Put that on top. That was a, uh, a winner at the uh, International Dairy Foods Association conference. Maybe the only one we got at Friendly's. So and you worked, I'm going to take that one. You worked on that. That was mine. I want to eat that. That's right amazing. <laughs> <laughs> why
0: do um i don't think
1: they exist anymore
0: i struggle with fruit flavored ice creams i'm going to be honest with you i have trouble with them
1: yeah i'm not a huge fan either
0: but i do like I, black raspberry but it
1: did sound good with yeah the, no it does with sound the crunchies good crunchies on top yeah i think you had me at country, country crunchies on top
0: yeah those um, are delicious i'm a sucker for crunchies. um let me ask you a question. I have, an, I have another totally random question for you. It's stopping Jens thinking about food now. We're, I know.
1: I'm like one track mind.
0: We're never getting off this uh, this topic. Do you have a favorite um, standalone flavor?
2: Tough question. I, as in just, just any, like a flavored ice cream. Yeah, or, or like anything
0: something with like like any flavor. When you think about. A flavor. Do you have a flavor? favorite flavor?
2: Favorite flavor. I, I'm a sucker for anything with peanut butter in it.
1: Mm. I love peanut butter too. <laughs> Any
2: anything with peanut butter. Um, at Friendly's, it was the hunka chunka PB fudge. Mm. Let me tell you, a true delight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who um, worked. Well, they got bought out, but he worked for a major coffee company, and part of what he did was quality control. And he got sent to, like, a whole bunch of classes on how to detect flavors. Like, he got, like, they had a whole, like, Mm -hmm. multi-part class on this. Like, and he was describing to me how he does it. And it was, like, really interesting. Like, he'll take a sip. And, like, he starts with, all right, do I taste, like, salt in this? And, like, he works through, like, a checklist in his mind. Do you have, like, a similar, like, approach when you're working in that lab and like tasting things and trying to figure out their profiles?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the tricky one, because you know, there's so many different origins. Yeah, How much do you roast it? How long do you roast it? What flavor of profile are you trying to hit ice cream? For me, it was a little bit easier because really we're starting with the same base for most of those ice creams. So what I'm looking for in a vanilla per se is you know, how does this mesh with the base that I'm working with? There's a lot of different delicious vanillas, but some will work better than others. There's a like a Tahitian vanilla, for example, very sweet. So if you put that in a sweet ice cream base, it could be cloying. The Madagascar bourbon vanilla, which is the most common one, much less sweet, a little bit um deeper flavored, if you would. Hmm. Often works well to balance the sweetness out. But there's things like Mexican vanilla, you know, there, there's many 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 different types of vanilla.
1: We have to get Ted down here because we have this he always our kid. He's constantly like ordering just vanilla and we're always like you're so boring and he and then he like he's always arguing with us. He's like vanilla is a flavor.
0: Why don't I know that there are multiple types of vanilla?
1: Oh, because you don't bake.
0: Oh. No. <laughs> I just thought it was one bean and that vanilla is vanilla.
1: It's the same as a coffee bean. Huh?
0: I'm learning something here, Stomping J. Oh my
2: goodness. But yes, vanilla. <laughs> I will back Ted up that <laughs> vanilla is a flavor. And there are many, many, many types of vanilla. Mm-hmm. Some are better than others. Mm. It all de- it all depends on how much you're putting in, what the sweetness. Is. It really acts almost like a salt, if you mm-hmm. would, mm-hmm. where it accentuates the flavor of something. So you gotta have good quality base to put it in but a really good vanilla can amplify something substantially. So that's hmm. got it right.
1: Yeah, I was telling him that it's akin to like cheese pizza. <laughs> I'm like cuz he said if you go to Antonio's and you just get cheese pizza then you're boring. I said well it's just like you getting vanilla ice
0: cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick, do you have do you have a flavor that you absolutely can't stand? I'm really curious. Yeah. As a foodie, like, and a and a and a food scientist, I, I feel like I'm going to learn something important here.
2: <laughs> I can't stand um, birthday cake flavored things. Uh oh the fake the fake cake flavored.
0: <laughs> I just had birthday cake um, flavored coffee. It was it was fantastic.
2: That's fine, but the thing with <laughs> taste is that taste is subjective. That's right. That's right. It is. He doesn't like
1: parsnips. Do you like parsnips? Oh god, I'm like parsnips are medium. I love parsnips. I think they're so good. Mm. Don't get me
0: going on parsnips.
1: He hates parsnips.
0: I know. Okay, so um, (laughs) birthday cake flavor. You don't like that. Now, does that mean you don't like birthday cakes, or just that flavor that we think of as birthday cake flavoring?
2: Love cakes. Yeah. Um, don't love cake flavored. And this is ice cream. Yeah. So okay. I've never had cake flavored coffee. It might be amazing. Um, but from from example, uh, for rather not from example, from past experience, whenever I've had a birthday flavored dairy item, it's always been cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one that we had at Friendly's had a, uh, a variegate, which is your swirl. Mm-hmm. It, it was neon blue. Um, it was plasticky.
1: Yeah.
2: I had to taste it. I had to taste it plain straight up many times, like blood ice cream.
0: Oh, and after
2: you have it like that, man, it just ruins. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can, I, it, it's, it's an aversion. I can
0: understand that. Mm. Um, do you, I cake. do you have a favorite flavor combination? So like this flavor with this flavor, um, is better than the, the two alone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I go back to my peanut butter thing. I think chocolate and peanut butter is a natural combo. Um, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about you, Stella? Um, oh, yeah.
1: Nick is still talking. Okay,
2: sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm good with that. We can go with chocolate and peanut butter. That's an easy one. Yep. Um, what else? Jeez. Um, let's go with we can keep going with chocolate. Chocolate and banana, actually, really good. Um, uh oh. Oh, okay. No.
1: Chocolate and banana. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I'm are right are like with you. You twins right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your birthday cake really? was chocolate, banana. And
0: peanut butter. And peanut butter. Yeah. Look at that. It was amazing. Yeah. What about you, Stomping Jen? What's your favorite flavor
2: combination?
1: Coffee and Oreo. What do you... <laughs> what is that? For real? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Are coffee and from- Oreo is delicious on me, Jen.
0: No, I love them too. I, <laughs> know, I love like, I love Oreo coffee ice cream. Ugh. I just wanted to get you mad.
1: Ugh, whatever. <laughs> I also like to counter that, yeah. I also like when like chocolate chip cookie dough, like in vanilla ice cream. Cause there's something like really satisfying about that combination. It's like. a classic. Yeah.
0: It's good. Yeah. I think I agree there's
2: with a, you. There's a really nice uh local restaurant that sells Delicious, Blizzard esque ice cream treats that uh, I got to try recently,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, it was a delight. So good call. Mm-hmm. Is it is it Chubby? It was
1: yeah. It was my combo. Yeah, Chubby's. <laughs> we
0: had um, Chris Snow on our podcast. We interviewed him. He was. It was such a good conversation. Mm-hmm. I was hungry afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting hungry now.
1: Oh, for ice cream.
0: Anything. Well,
1: you know what kind of ice cream I had today. Nick? What did you have, Nick? Uh, sawtooth already knows. Oh, you
0: son of a bitch. I can't believe <laughs>
1: Lucky b- Charm ice cream. <laughs>
2: you fucking. Was it magically delicious?
1: It was magically delicious. And no. I Actually, I have to tell you guys all the truth, right? It sounded really good, but like because it's like an ice cream, you know, the cereal goes stale, you know, like it's been sitting in milk mm. too long.
0: <laughs> no, Lucky Charms is my favorite cereal. And she posted this picture just to torment me. <laughs> Oh my God. So mad at you. All right. Back to Nick. Um,
1: Yes. All right. You,
0: you mentioned you like to cook.
2: Do you have a favorite thing to cook? Not really. Um, It's kind of a spur of the moment thing. You Mm -hmm. know, I think that, I think that it just depends on the weather outside. There's a lot of different factors, but I would say for comfort food, you know, I I guess comfort food would be a style Um, fried chicken. Love it. Mm -hmm. Mac and cheese, all the healthy stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I've been trying to get, uh, good with my smoker. I've got a little, uh, Weber smoker that I'm, I'm working with that, uh, it's great. I love smoking food. I would, uh, I would love to have a more robust barbecue scene here in town. Uh, Chris does a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can work with him to get a, a distinct,
0: That's been a dream. That's been a dream of mine. I've always wanted to have a dedicated like barbecue shack here. I think it would do gangbusters. It would
1: do so well here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, with all the the farms we have here, it'd be amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. How about just to eat and enjoy? Do you have a favorite type of food?
1: God, you're making me so hungry. I know,
0: sorry. And I, this
2: is tough, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like we're gonna I feel like we're gonna learn something from these answers because you think of so? because of Nick's training. Okay. That's why I'm asking okay. these questions.
1: Okay. And
0: I and I just have to say, mm-hmm. I think there's and I know and I don't disagree with you that it's that your answers are subjective, but I'm still gonna find additional <laughs> meaning in them. Probably where I shouldn't. You're but the expert on. Yeah, food. I'm I'm gonna be drawing conclusions. So please, and this
2: is just like a, a normal, everyday, easy thing or just so, oh, out of the entire universe of food. What do I like? If you were
1: stuck yep. on a desert yeah. island. Yeah.
2: What, yeah. What would your, what,
0: what would your desert island food be? What would you bring with you?
2: I feel like I could always go, I know we just mentioned it, but low and slow barbecue mm. done right. And there's just, there's just so many good ways to to do that. And it, to me, it doesn't get old Um, with the amount of sides, delicious meat. Oh man, it's the whole package. It's great.
0: I have recently determined what the best thing to eat for breakfast is and the best thing to eat for lunch. I now know (laughs) I've only got one more meal to finish. Do you want to hear my answer? I
1: already know, so you could tell, Nick.
0: (laughs) This is the very best thing anyone can eat for breakfast, period. It is half a cup of oatmeal with one sliced banana, a scoop of peanut butter, and maple syrup mixed thoroughly mixed, it has to be mixed. That is the best I breakfast. Feel
1: like this says something about you, but I don't know what it is.
0: That, that is the very best <laughs> breakfast anyone can eat. Oh,
1: that's the very best breakfast that you can eat. <laughs> All
0: right, the best lunch. Are you ready? Oh. I know what the best lunch is. But wait,
1: there's more. I
0: have been experimenting for a year in lockdown with multiple types of lunches, and I have finally settled on the very best lunch. Okay. It is a thickly sliced piece (laughs) of bread, toasted, (laughs) with half an avocado, salt, (laughs) pepper, and a drizzle of olive oil.
1: You mean avocado toast?
0: (laughs) It is the best lunch. <laughs> There's not a better lunch anywhere. Now, yes, that's all. I just wanted to share that with our oh, food scientist.
1: Quite, thank you so much for sharing.
0: Do you
2: have a favorite lunch? <laughs> mm, favorite lunch? Oh, you crazy! Yeah, you know, I really, um, I've really gotten into uh, it's it's kind of weird, but doing things in rice as a medium. So pretty mm. much vegetables meat whatever you got throw it in some rice as a as a almost like a bulking thing or like a bulking i don't know what the best way to, to describe it is like a, a stretching agent i guess to stretch mm-hmm. your your meals but really all i'll do is i'll take some leftovers from the night before the, the, the day before throw it in some rice nice and easy something about it i don't know it yeah. it, it speaks to me but avocado toast it's pretty close good. second
0: yeah it's so close good. second so good, mm-hmm. so good. um Going out to eat. I wanted to ask about this. I know why do so. This is something we haven't done in over a year. We Uh, haven't gone to a restaurant, mm and and it it was like such a big part of our lives. It was. Is there something about the experience of going to a restaurant that people like? What is it about that? What do you think that people love? Is it just I don't have to cook this, and it. It's a two part, let me, so there's that, like, what do people love about it? And is that something that you think about as a food scientist or a food engineer? Like this food's going to be served in a restaurant and we got a, I don't know, maybe that's a dumb question.
2: Stomping Jen. No, I don't think so. I think that you're, when you go to a restaurant, you're pretty much renting a space for the evening, right? Yeah. You're you're pretty much having a little party thrown for yourself. You got someone to come take your order. Someone's going to prep the food for you and you can get whatever you want. Drinks, dessert, have it all. Uh, but you're renting that space. So it's an experience, you know, and, and there is a certain. There is a certain feel to that, that I don't think you'd be replicated in your own house because, you know, you got a clean womp, womp. But uh, the cook. that, too, there's yeah. a lot of there's not much effort. Right. So there's definitely a draw to that. I, and and as the, the food science guy and the microbiologist guy, and you can probably speak to this sawtooth, too, but um, I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Cause sometimes I'll judge a place if I see something that's out of whack, if you would. Yeah. Um, Some questionable hygienic practices. It's gotten a lot better over the years though. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't think I've seen anything egregious around here by any means, but you know, like, 10 years ago you'd see some things be like oh maybe i don't come back here I hope i don't get sick you know <laughs> something yeah. like that but no i think everywhere has stepped up their game a lot and especially now i mean with all the sanitation going on the takeout that's a whole different culture um but you know i i wish the best for the restaurants around here i'm mm-hmm. trying my best to, to support them where i can mm-hmm. um yeah. I don't want these places to close, so mm-hmm. I'm showing them as much love as I can. You know. Yeah,
0: we try to we try to go out to we try to order out once mm-hmm. a week at least. I mean, that's kind of and I think with the deliberate, we've been doing that for the last year with the goal of trying to yeah. support these restaurants that we love, um, especially here in our town of mm-hmm. Belchertown, Massachusetts. Yeah.
1: Massachusetts.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A couple, a couple of more. These, these are. I have a food oh, go engineering question. Yeah. You on.
1: mentioned takeout. Like, why is it that f- restaurants that are not traditionally takeout friendly, they a lot of times their food just doesn't get home. You, you just don't have that same experience as like eating it inside, as opposed to some restaurants that are like designed for takeout. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Did you follow typically... my question? I did yeah now I typically relate that to uh, water being the issue mm-hmm. so when you have hot food you have evaporation crispy things ain't gonna stay crispy yeah that's the problem I mean even even your traditional um, I guess your traditional Chinese takeout right you can get the the combination of rice and maybe a main uh, main meal and then chicken fingers say if you have' them at the restaurant, it's going to be nice and crispy, but by the time you get them home, those chicken fingers aren't too crispy anymore. They're still fine, yeah. but a lot of, like, if you, if you think about what would happen to a bun, if you put it into a steamer, right. By the time you get that, that burger home, yeah, the takeout places, put them in paper wrappers, but oftentimes, you know, your takeout place has to put it in a styrofoam container of some sort.
1: Yeah.
2: It, it just, it, it depends on the packaging. What's reasonable for them to buy, right? You know, places like Mickey D's have been engineering these for decades, right? Tons of money goes into it. But your local place, limited in resources. yeah that's going to be the main difference is is water is usually the big offender.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. I I just learned that. I had no idea.
1: Well, because like you know, it's it's been very yeah. apparent. You know, depending, like we we got local burger from Northampton. By the time we got it home, it was just like, oh, why did we order so many French fries? They were all fucking water. Soggy.
0: We needed to survive. We needed to live, but it ruins our burgers. <laughs> god damn it! <laughs> I hate water now. I hate it. <laughs> you should hate water. Oh
1: my god! I'm done this with conversation water. Conversation is.
0: Oh, I'm done with water. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I want to ask a question about the Food Network. As somebody who's into food, I'm assuming you're, um, you've are you watched the Food Network. Um, any thoughts on the existence of the Food Network and kind of like their shows? I'm just curious. And do you like watching them?
2: Yeah, I think um, it, it's evolved over time. The Food Network used to be more about cooking shows. Now it's more about cooking competitions. Yeah. Um, the evolution of it, I, I think, has been kind of, I don't know. It, it's the same with other shows, or other channels like the History Channel, where it's been it used to be more about history, but now it's about ancient aliens. And I know some of that's interesting, but it's not necessarily like the same as it used to be. Doesn't mean it's bad, but I think that the Food Network shows are entertaining but it's really the food's kind of the afterthought. It's more about the emotions. The which restaurant can we save? The you know celebrity chef cook off challenge. It, it's inter- it's entertaining. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think it's necessarily about the food anymore. The food's more just along for the ride.
0: Yeah. yeah. My favorite food competition show and I don't think it's on Food Network is the Great british baking show oh i cannot get enough of that show there's just something about it
1: focus on the food
0: yeah they do yeah so
1: much about the comedy but i just
0: love that show like it's so good natured i like i don't know and you win
1: a glass bowl or something. that's all you get you get a
0: fucking bowl bowl. at the end (laughs) but that's good do you know what i mean when i grow
2: up when i grow up i want to be paul hollywood
0: yeah he's awesome Although, um,
1: <laughs> you have to get a handshake from Paul Hollywood.
0: He can wear a pair of jeans, that guy. What <laughs> you never noticed his jeans? All right, we'll move on. Um, speaking of celebrity chefs, <laughs> oh do you have goodness. a favorite? I think I have a favorite.
1: Uh, you do,
0: yeah. I'll share it in a minute. Okay. Let's we'll, we'll see if Nick has an answer to this question. Favorite celebrity chef?
2: Um, I don't know. See, there's there's a lot of different chefs that. There's, there's chefs that are more entertaining. There's chefs that I think maybe more for the actual food itself. I, I like, uh, he's a little bit old school, but I think, um, chef Morimoto,
0: hmm
2: way back in the iron chef days Oh yeah. for, for food and presentation. I think he's one of the tops for entertaining purposes. And he's still a good chef. I like Gordon Ramsey. Oh, that's,
0: that's who I was keeping in my pocket and he has stepped up his social media game, especially over the pandemic. I, I love the hell out of his videos. There's two types of videos he does. Videos. <laughs> so recently he's been doing these videos where they're reaction videos to people who do horrible things to food. Like, one he did, like somebody was cooking like a piece of, um what's that Japanese marbled steak? I forget what that's called. The, um, kobe beef? Kobe beef. Oh. They, were cu- they were cooking it in some kind of like chocolate.
1: Oh God. And he's just like, oh my
0: God. He, and he gives these reactions through these videos.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and there's other types of like horrible cooking that he responds to. They're just so funny. Um, and the other thing I love about him is he's been um, posting just these regular like little cooking videos, these recipes. Like he did one for like a, like a, a Christmas turkey or like, and I just, I love watching him. Like I love the non. Are you?
1: You should be cooking more.
0: I know. I love the non hell's kitchen, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's he's awesome. And then there was the. Um, do you remember he did a series called Hotel Hell? Did you ever see that? And every episode, he got down to his blue speedo and swam in the hotel pool.
1: <laughs> yeah, to test out the pool. Yeah, every. What single- is this about jeans and speedos? <laughs> What's going on with you tonight?
0: I don't know. All right. Um, Stomping Jen, did you have a favorite celebrity chef?
1: Do I have a favorite celebrity chef? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever really thought about this. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I did like Anthony Bourdain. We used to watch a lot of him.
0: Yeah, we did. Bourdain. He was good. And
1: his books are excellent.
0: Yeah. His biographies, they're excellent. Uh, Kitchen Confidential was yeah. his first one. Yeah. It was really good.
1: Yeah. Uh, that, you met Andrew Zimmern. Oh, yeah. I we was, used to um, watch Andrew Zimmern all the time. <laughs>
0: At the large university that I work at, I was just walking across campus one day and um
1: And then he like texts me. He's like
0: Well this no, this this guy grabs me, he goes, Hey, would you mind taking a selfie? Um uh, or taking a picture of us in this group? And I was like, Yeah, no problem. He hands me his phone. I'm looking through it and I realized that guy is Andrew Zimmern. I'm like taking in <laughs> so afterwards I was like I didn't even know who you were. I said, would you mind taking a selfie with me? He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. You help me out. I'll do it. And I just chatted with him a little bit, but he was a super nice guy.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. rad. <laughs> it was totally, it was just
0: like totally random. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed meeting him. Did you? Yeah. He didn't cook me anything though.
1: No. I like, um, who's that one? Ina Gardner. Arna- Ina Gardner? What's her name? I don't know. The Barefoot Contessa.
2: It's Garden.
0: Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. her. Yeah, tell me more about her. What do you like about her?
1: No, she's just like matter of fact and whatever. I used yeah. to love Martha Stewart,
0: but yeah, I still like her. She's she's also evolved. She like did a show with Snoop Dogg for yeah, a while. They're like
1: BFFs.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: did they like host? They hosted the like dog show this puppy year. Puppy Bowl. The Puppy Yeah, <laughs>
0: they did. Um, all right. Um,
1: enough about food.
0: I'm gonna transition. I'm gonna oh transition my gosh, to some so
1: much about food. I
0: know. I'm sorry, but everyone loves food. It's
1: true. It's true. I right? love food.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna transition to to, to to some more serious topics that we want to talk about with um, Nick. Um, now, Nick, you've 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 decided and you've thrown your hat into the ring um, to run um, for local government in your town, you're running for a seat on the select board here in our town of Belchertown, Massachusetts. Um, what made you decide to do such a thing?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it was something, so I think the biggest driver for this would be, I've always been someone who was waiting for someone else to do something for me if that makes sense. I've always been passive to the degree of, well, you know, someone else take care of this or these things will happen or, you know, all in due time. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> throughout the pandemic, throughout all the recent political happenings, I've started to realize that no one is going to do anything for you. You really got to take charge yourself, take the reins yourself. And try to enact change. Um, so for me, uh, really, it, it's it's a chance for me to do something positive for our community by exerting a little bit of effort and a lot of love.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, um, as a citizen of our town and a taxpayer, I want to say thank you um, because it's a you know it's a it's a big. Um, even, even being willing to run yes, right the the true. results of the election at the time of this recording unknown but even being willing to do it is is a is mm-hmm. a service to our community and so I just want to say thank you for even considering it um, you know um, and stomping Jen here it's no secret um, serves in our town government on the select board right we've talked about that here many times before and I see, I see all the hard work mm-hmm. that you do, Stomping Jen. Mm-hmm. So, as a as a constituent, um, as a citizen, thank you. Oh, thanks. My um, now, pleasure. <laughs> now, um, Nick, are there any are there specific uh, things you're hoping um, to accomplish? Is there are there changes you're hoping to help work the town towards or through? Um, if if you're um, elected,
2: yeah, I, I think the the key word in that is help work towards because as you know we know we're we're one of five right so and and we're not necessarily the group that is going to drive this change specifically we're going to vote on measures but we're not necessarily getting out there and doing all the work ourselves we we don't have the capacity for that so. My goal would be to my go my goal would be to try to do my best to vote along the lines of having this town just develop what we have already. so really I don't think we need to make we don't need to make Belcher town route 9 and Hadley mm-hmm. or Memorial Drive and Chicopee. you know we're not looking for that I don't think but if we can, showcase some of the stuff we have here, such as we mentioned before the barbecue that maybe we have some barbecue stuff using, um, you know, local, uh, local livestock, or maybe we have a year round type of farmer's market or a cooperative space here in town that can showcase local artisans. Um, we've got a lot of property we can rehab a rehab and, and, we don't need to do a lot of clear cutting to, I think accomplish a lot of these goals, but we do need community support and, you know, we need to do as a team. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just, as I said, a couple people like holding the reins and trying to drag everyone, everyone along with them. We have to do this as a community. We have to have the community involved. Um, It's it's a team effort. So my goal would be not only to try to vote along with Mm -hmm. these items and, and make them, a potential but maybe also to motivate and energize other folks in town to do similar things that, that we're doing here and maybe take some action themselves so if we can create a chain reaction maybe have one or two people become interested become motivated become engaged that's a win mm. yeah
0: and, and and what i'm what i'm hoping you know is we have so many um Wonderful elements in in mm-hmm. our town associated with our town to try to get people engaged. Right, um, we have our our Belchertown Cultural Council, mm-hmm. um, for example, who who plans these amazing events. And um, I was talking to one of the members of the Belchertown Cultural Council recently, and you know they're really hoping to bring back the food truck events this summer, which mm-hmm. would be fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just. I think, um, and those are, those are things, um, you know, I think the types of things that the select board can help yes. make happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, stomping Jen, you were, you were involved in some of that when you were part of the Bel- Town cultural council and then on the select board, you know, mm-hmm. I think you helped facilitate some of that. So, um, you know, I agree, I agree with, um, what Nick is saying here, um, Helping to increase community engagement is yeah. is is a great is a great goal, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so
1: <laughs> sorry, I have many thoughts.
0: No, share them, please. You're a co-host.
1: Oh well, no, I don't want to rain on the. Okay. I want to let Nick make his own. Uh, Opinions and yeah. whatnot about, about what stuff. are you were in my parade. No, you know, no, no, sorry, that was the <laughs> wrong choice of words. I'm I don't want to steal your thunder, is what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, there's uh, there's so many unique things about Belchertown that I think a lot of people who have deep roots in this town want to keep to themselves. And there is a lot of new incoming people who have moved to our town. Uh, you know, and for good or for bad, they're here. The, the, the land was sold, the houses were built, the people are moving here, right? So highlighting and sharing those resources and assets and uh, communicating to these new people and our surrounding communities about these hidden gems or not so hidden gems or, you know, really yeah. kind of communicating what our community has already existing is a way to help spotlight and like shine uh you know a yeah. spotlight on our town.
0: Yeah, and Nick, what is what are some of the things that you love about Belcher town that are motivating you to to serve it in this new way? Like what what are just some of the stuff you love about living in this town?
2: I I love the way it is, really. Uh, I'm not looking to once again my idea is not to like I guess I'll borrow a farming term to plow under everything to make sure like, you know, out with the old in with the new, you know, completely revamping the town. There's a ton of great stuff here. And that's why we moved here. You know, there's, there's a reason we showed up. It's not just to, well, we're going to move into this town and then change everything about it. You know, it really, there's a lot to love here. It's a nice farming community, people, great people. There's a lot of cool businesses in town and, I would say that the one thing that i I have actually grown to love even more is are the people here. Uh, since becoming a little bit more engaged, like I mentioned earlier, uh, volunteering mm-hmm. with some local um, local associations, uh, starting to serve on some boards around town, I have met some amazing people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And these connections and just learning about everyone else in town and the movers and the shakers, it's enlightening, mm-hmm. and and I think out of everything that's happened in the pandemic and you know in the past few years, I'm most thankful for the connections that I've made and the people that I've met. And, and I wish if there's anything I can part impart on people from this podcast is to try this, volunteer some time, mm-hmm. you know, meet some people, try to do some good. The rewards far outweigh the efforts, and that's one thing I think if anyone can walk away besides the fact that chocolate and peanut butter are amazing together, it's that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And
0: I want to underscore that. Um, you know, I think, you know, since stomping Jen here started volunteering in town and then started, um, and then became a select board member. And then since talking to people from our town on this podcast, you know, I think, a whole world has opened up mm-hmm. for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, stomping, Jen. If you if you weren't doing all that stuff, I'd be, you know, sitting in the closet, you know, reading with a flashlight. No, You're, you'd
1: be doing your podcast with your video game buddies. Oh,
0: yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, no, but I think my 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 larger point is to underscore what, what Nick is saying is um, volunteering
1: a thousand percent
0: is not is not you know it's not just about um, helping that thing that you're volunteering for, but it's also, it you know, it will open up doors and open up a whole new world and help you see the town mm-hmm. and the people in it in a mm-hmm. different um, and probably, a you know, a, in a, a better way, you know?
1: I mean, volunteering in and of itself is rewarding, but the people that you meet are just incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like
1: like the people I talk to on a regular basis are all volunteers, you know? Like people are like, you know, can we get somebody to do X, Y, or Z? Like, who can we get to do? And I'm like, I don't know, everybody I know is already volunteering for like five different things, you know? It's hard, you yeah. know? And to, and to get somebody to say that they're willing to do something, I find extremely commendable. So I am so thankful, Nick, that you've decided to throw your hat into the ring. You know, like it's, it's, it's hard, you know, there's no right time. There's always an excuse. Everybody is strapped for time, you know, but it's so rewarding.
0: Yeah. That's a good, I think that's a good note, um, Stomping Jen, to begin to wind this down on. But before we do that, I just, you know, I want to ask Nick, um, if you have anything else you wanted to, to say anything else you wanted to touch upon, you know, that we didn't, that we didn't hit any more food related things you want to talk about? <laughs> Cause we, no, we just kidding, but no, um, I'm, yeah. I'm going to open up the floor to you. Anything else you want to, you want to touch upon?
2: I, I would just reiterate some of the points we, we said already tonight as, as kind of a wrap up. I, I think that, you know, for the, the financial advising um, don't be afraid of a financial advisor. Like it, there are no such thing as dumb questions when it comes to money because we're not taught these things in school. Uh, in my school, there wasn't a how-to-balance-a-checkbook class. There mm-hmm. wasn't a how-do-I-budget class. I learned a heck of a lot about you know medieval history and cool things like that, but it didn't necessarily apply to life. So don't be afraid of reaching out for help and, and just talking to someone. If it's not a good fit, they'll tell you, but most people aren't going to be insulting about it. And that's fine. You'll learn what you might need to do, take next steps, do something to improve your life. You'll gain something from the conversation. And um, I would say the only other thing is to re- re-emphasize the benefits of just getting connected to your community. It, it takes very little effort to volunteer. And I, I have met so many amazing people by doing that. And the cost to me was minimal, just time, a little bit of effort. Uh, and, and the Benefits from this have been astounding just from the connections that I've made, the people that I've met, there are so many cool people in our town. You just need to go find them. It takes a little bit of effort, but it's well worth the squeeze.
0: That deserves a chime. Yep. All right. um, One last softball question, uh, just so people get to know who you are a little bit better. What do you like to do um, for fun when you're, when you're not financial advising, when you're not, um, running for public office. What do you like to do for fun?
2: Yeah, I like to, um, I mean, cooking and baking, big nerd there. Um, I've really tried to work on my baking game. Maybe it was the British, the great British baking show that inspired me, but I've been trying to do a lot of baking recently. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So like to be in the kitchen. Uh, I hang out with my daughter, Elliot. We have a lot of fun especially when it's warm outside, like today, beautiful day outside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just, um, really just once we can travel again, definitely that, uh, seeing the world, uh, experiencing it with my family, uh, my wife, Courtney and my daughter and my soon to be second daughter within the next few weeks. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Big time of change. Big, big, big life changes happening recently. And um, really excited for the next chapter.
0: Well, um, bless you for taking all of that on. Yes. Um all right, listeners, thank you. Oh. I love you, listeners. Oh. I'm saying it first this week. Okay. Um Stomping Jen, anything you want to say?
1: Uh we love you too.
0: I already said it. You oh, don't need to say. Okay, we.
1: fine. Sorry. Uh subscribe, download, share with a friend.
0: Wait, but do you love the listeners? Oh, my God. Why won't you say I it? I feel
1: like a hostage right now.
0: All right. Well, I guess we're going to not know whether or not... Stomping- I love
1: you in the platonic way that they... Uh... Oh, my God. Why are you staring at me like that? <laughs> all heck? right.
0: So... Um,
1: of course I love all of our listeners.
0: What Stomping Jen said. Um, please subscribe, download, leave a review, share with a friend. Um Thank you, uh, Nick, uh, for joining us. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks get for being en- here and talking to us. Get
1: engaged with your community.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Do it.
1: Go out and vote in local elections.
0: All right, stomping Jen. Do you uh, want to? Do you want to take us out?
1: Oh, I can do it.
0: Well, I'll get the final by now.
1: Oh, I see. I see. I see. But all right, lead well, us out. Okay. bye now.
0: All right, folks. Um. By now.